Welcome to the Critical Witness podcast, where we talk faith, apologetics, evangelism, and anything else we can think of. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Critical Witness, and my name's Phil. Uh, we're going to be talking about Christianity and Bitcoin this evening, uh, which is potentially uh, well a very new topic for, for Dan and myself to be discussing money uh, in in this way. Uh, so we're joined by a Christian who's going by a pseudonym tonight, and uh, we'll talk a bit about why that's the case in a moment. But um, Christian, before, before we go into why we're... we're not seeing your face and and uh, hearing your real name. Could you give us a little bit about um, what you are happy to share about who you are and your background? And then we'll, we'll go into a little bit about your reasons for, for what your, um, for your anonymity and then we'll, we'll go from there into Bitcoin. Yeah. Good evening. And thanks for having me on. I'll tell you what though, that um, countdown actually did get my heart racing a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks to, it was a a friend of Dan, uh, well, family member for Dan, you put that together for us. It so, was my brother-in-law, yeah. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Talented guy. Um, yeah, so I am a, a Christian, uh, just an ordinary guy. Um, I'm in my, uh, sad to say, late 20s, uh, married to a, a very... Young. Yeah, well, uh, not too long. Uh, not <laughs> uh, married to a really, really good Christian woman. Uh, we've been married five years. Uh, in fact, had our wedding anniversary last weekend. Nice, congrats! And uh, thank you, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, we've been in uh, West Yorkshire for um, about five and a half years for me, and then obviously when we got married, uh, she she came and joined me. So uh, part of the church plant there, um, working hard uh, for the gospel, and uh, we've got our son. Uh, we've uh, had a little girl. Uh, who we lost last year um and yeah that's that's me in short nice nice uh so just to satisfy the curiosity of those listening in and and watching um what's the sort of your philosophy behind your being anonymous yeah good question um uh, mainly it's because i'm pleb just an ordinary person (laughs) <laughs> um, and so I, I don't have uh, a face that I need to put to a name uh, don't need any particular recognition in the street um, and I suppose uh, part of it is uh, that there's uh, a distinction really between privacy and uh, secrecy uh, so I'm not secret uh, about really who I am and what I do uh, but I'm private, uh, so I, I like to retain the ability to reveal myself selectively. Um, who knows, you know, at some point in the future, I might, you know, dox myself, might put my face out there and tell everyone <laughs> who I am, where I live, and uh, everything like that. But th- there's a there's a prudence part to it as well. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm sure we're going to get into uh, kind of a little bit more about 
uh, where Bitcoin is at the moment, what I think mm. it's going to do in the future. Um, and, you know, if it is where I think it is and if it does do what I think it does, then uh, it certainly makes sense to uh, not be kind of splashing my face everywhere, I think. Yeah, yeah, That's, that sounds interesting. Dan, you unmuted yourself. Yes, no, I was just saying, what, just out of interest, what, what got you interested in Bitcoin and how, how long has this, this, um, this interest been developing for? Yeah, really, really good question. Um, thanks for asking. So I first actually heard about Bitcoin in, in 2012 um, when it had been running for like three years, um, started up in early 2009. And so it was in October 2012 um, that I started at university and a, a newly fangled friend um, told me about it. And at that point, I don't think anyone really knew what it was at all. No. Um, or certainly didn't didn't uh, kind of realize that it might be where it is now um, in terms of spread and, and then price appreciation as well, um, which is actually, uh, in my mind, the, the most interesting thing about it. Right. Um, but I just uh, completely ignored him at that point. Uh, didn't buy any, didn't listen to him. Um, to be honest, uh, the technology wasn't uh, sufficiently developed at that point for me with my technical inability to even purchase any. Like I wouldn't have known where to start. Um, so I didn't buy any at that point. Uh, and then just had a bit of a running interest, you know, pa passive interest in what it was doing in the news over the next few years probably picked up a little bit more interest in 2017 um, when the, the price appreciated quite sharply uh, at that point. Still didn't buy any. Um, and then my first entry into Bitcoin was uh, at the very end of 2020. So Christmas Day, uh, we were sat at home. My little boy had COVID. Um, oh, yeah, it was it, that was really tough, actually. Um, mm. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just uh, give myself a little Christmas present. And so I went and bought some Bitcoin and uh, then got learning and have, have held it ever since. So just just in terms of price action, we're talking in Bitcoin in 2012, we're talking what, like, was that single digits still or was that? Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, was that it, double digits by then. Goodness. I think it was getting up towards double digits, but honestly, that that, that is lost in the sense of time, really. Um, I'd, I'd have to go and look. Yeah, I, I was just I was just gonna look just to see what, what, what we talk about twenty twelve, and then the FOMO uh, associated with that about just the must be un unbelievable. I, I can see Eric saying now he's a millionaire. Definitely not Eric. I'm <laughs> yeah, not quite with twenty twelve. I was just just trying to find it uh, very quickly. Just I out of curiosity, it was about fifty dollars. Uh, two thousand and twelve. Oh, but Binance wasn't even available then, so I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to Google it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, it was cheap. It was cheap as chips. Twenty twelve, not really. Oh yeah, definitely. But I, I spent all my money on beer and kebabs, Phil. So <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds about like. And I'm still paying the price for that. So. Good, <laughs> good uni experience. Um, and then uh, yeah, so twenty 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 though, we're we're talking about well end of twenty twenty. So I I was beginning of twenty twenty one when I got started around march yeah so not too far off but end of 2020 was at the end of this what well, i'm trying to think what kind of price you're, you're talking about uh, was, so, uh, i'll tell you what it, what it was is um i said to myself um 
I will consider this a legit asset um, that isn't going to go to zero if it right. passes $20,000. So it passed $20,000 on like, I don't know, the 22nd of December or something. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll buy some. Um, but as I say, I, I think the price is, is actually the least interesting part of it. Um, and that's that's what we'll talk about. Yeah, I, I think what, you're right. Yeah. What What's the basis for the assumption that if it goes past twenty thousand dollars, that it it wouldn't go back down to zero? C completely baseless. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, completely baseless assumption. But uh, actually, the more of them, um, more I've kind of looked into it, the more I've realised that what we've got um, is a a better money uh, than we currently have in our current system. Um, uh, and a money that is uh, actually more aligned with um, a biblical anthropology. Uh, so it, it, it understands um, people better than the current system does. And uh, it honors God better than the current system does. Uh, and, and so those are the reasons that I'm, I'm really like uh, holding it now. Could, could we rewind a little bit just for people? Because I, I imagine... Lots of people, you know, some people listening in now, people will listen in the future, maybe won't even know what, you know, we're talking oh, yeah. about Bitcoin as a form of cryptocurrency. I right. wonder if there'll be some value in just describing what cryptocurrency is uh, and, and what Bitcoin specifically is before we get into perhaps the, the, the benefits um, and maybe theological yeah. connotations. So uh, go for it. Um, I think we, we, we would do well, actually, to step even further back than that. So mm -hmm. I, I think what we need to understand is what, what is money, um, first of all, and then go from there. So um, what is money? Uh, so I think we rightly say that money is the highest economic good in a society. Um that can be uh, a store of value that holds value over time and space and is fungible. So it can be trans transferred for other goods and services. So it's got to be um, kind of widely, um, widely accepted. It's got to be uh, trusted and uh, it's got to be something that uh, kind of is uh, agreed upon. It has agreed upon value. Okay. Now, I think you, you can look back into Genesis 2 and uh, you see that in the description of the location of the Garden of Eden, uh, the writer of Genesis, uh, in all of the, the kind of rivers and lands that they're describing, mentions uh, the land of Havila. And there's just a throwaway comment there which says, and the gold there is good. Now, gold historically has been uh, the money because it's it's held value over a long time. It holds value over distance, although it's quite hard to transport. Hmm. Um, and it's it's agreed upon, uh, so it's it's fungible. You can trade it for goats, chickens, aromatic resin, which is also mentioned in that verse. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's transferred for other goods and services. So historically, humanity seems to have used gold as its money. Um, that's been the case up until fairly recently, 
in the last 50 years or so when um, we, as a, as a kind of global society, went off the gold standard. And so now um, the currency that you and I use day to day, uh, whether that's pounds, dollars, euros, yen, whatever currency it might be, isn't backed by gold. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are a number of people who don't, uh, haven't grasped that. Hmm. They still think that we are on a gold standard, um, but it's not the case. Uh, the, the, so, the so can we, you explain what that means? So, what just, yeah, yeah. so when we say it's not, it's not backed by the gold standard, what, what does that mean? So the gold standard used to be that um, a country, uh, a nation would have uh, gold in reserve whether they held it within their own country or, or in another country's vaults. Um, but that gold uh, was a guarantee that the currency that you used could be trans, uh, kind of uh, translated to some element of gold. Uh, you could take it to your central bank and, and say, I want, you know, a pound of gold, please. Uh, and they would promise to give it to you. Now, over time, um, countries realized that actually it, it was convenient for them to print more currency, print more paper notes than they had in reserve to cover that debt, uh, that, that obligation to their citizens. Okay. Hmm. Um, and so you see that starting around um, the start of World War One uh, in, in this country in kind of 19... 13 19 14 there's a letter that goes out which says uh, please stop you know for the sake of the war effort please stop uh, paying you um your employees in gold uh, please take your gold to the post office and we will collect it in uh, we need to do this to, to win the war um and then the the paper that starts getting issued increases um by you know several times over what the gold would have covered uh, and all of that is to kind of turbocharge an economy on a war footing uh, to make sure that you could afford things that you would have to have saved up for otherwise because in war there's a, a need to do things really quickly hmm. um, your time preference uh, is low so it means that you're more concerned about the things that are close to you in time than far away um, and so it's expedient to to live on debt when you're fighting. Okay, um, the issue is that that um, peg of your currency to your, your amount of gold that you had um, slipped at that point, but wasn't restored. Uh, and then obviously you get World War Two. Uh, in between that, there's uh, you know hyperinflation in Weimar Germany. Um, uh, I'm actually reading a book on that at the moment. But uh, essentially, there's a, a kind of a political need to pay off your war debt. There's reparations that are levied. And uh, effectively, the, the Weimar government says, um, OK, what we're not going to do is pay gold to the other countries because we need to keep that for ourselves. Uh, we're going to print and print and print. And we're going to give them the banknotes. Um, and as they do so, the actual value in the economy becomes less because it's like a fraction okay um if you increase the denominator of a fraction 
but you keep your numerator the same. So if you go from one quarter to one eighth, uh, you've doubled the denominator, but the value that you have in your fraction is is halved. Um, and so the, the long-term effect of this ultimately is that anyone who holds um, holds their value in a currency that is being inflated, i.e. the supply is getting larger all the time, has their value um, progressively destroyed over time. Uh, so you get up to like the 1970s, the whole world ends up going off the gold standard. Uh, the US dollar is uh, designated the world reserve currency. So it's the one that everyone has to use in international trade. Uh, and then uh, we see in, in COVID, uh, there's been $25 trillion worth of debt printed worldwide. It's massive. Uh, the, it's entire so supply, the entire supply of the, the dollar um, has been inflated by 40% of its entire supply in the last 18 months. So there, there are now 40% more dollars than there were a, a year and a half ago. Um, Is it something like there was more printed in the last 18 months than or almost more print, printed in the last 18 months than there were altogether, something like that. Yeah. I, I heard some crazy stat. It's getting up there. Um, <clears throat> and so the issue that, that Bitcoin seeks to resolve is uh, one of centralization. So this is where um, this is where I think it's got this uh, kind of biblical anthropology. Okay, so uh, the creator of Bitcoin, again, pseudonymous. We don't know who it was. Um, I don't think that matters too much, but that, that might be a discussion for a bit later on. Mm. Um, what they do is they say, we understand that central bank um, who are not really kind of banks at all. Um, they're panels of politically elected people who decide monetary policy. Um, they are the issue uh, because there are people involved and people who um, have high time preference. So they prefer to live for today rather than tomorrow. Um, they prefer to live off debt rather than savings and uh, effectively prefer to try and create value ex nihilo out of nothing by printing currency rather than creating value through work in the real world which then saddles future generations with debt that they never agree to take on uh, and are bound to, to pay off so it's a form of debt bondage um, and oh by the way there are ordinary people in a country who have absolutely no say in this at all. And uh, so what it says is uh, we're going to get rid of people at the heart of decision making and uh, we're going to uh, set up code which uh, provides a, a knowable, finite and um, scheduled supply of this currency. Um, people can decide voluntarily whether to partake in the system or not. Hmm. So that's that's where Bitcoin comes in. It comes in um, at the very end of 2008, there's a white paper written. So think global financial crash. Uh, the first Bitcoin is mined uh, in January 2009. And it's been running now for 12 years uh, with a 99.99% uptime. 
So it's a network of computers that's never gone down. Hmm. No, never gone down. He said, "Never." So, so, so security is is obviously a a major aspect of it, um, mm -hmm. and it's it's quite it is fascinating that it's never gone down. So, there's, there's a couple of things just to to clarify on bitcoin and the, the issue is this is such a massive topic so it's trying to work out <laughs> which line yeah, of thinking to, to go down so we're talking about we're just talking about inflation in terms of so if we use the word fiat we're talking about normal money the the money that's decreed by a government yeah so um, fiat that's, from, that, from you know let it be and um yeah yeah it, it's it's based on um trust in a third party um who then has the ability to to break that trust cool. and and so in, inflation is just a normal part of everyone's currency and bitcoin is no is not inflationary or it currently is inflationary will always be inflationary yeah. What, yeah. what happens with that so um the the federal reserve in america put out their latest inflation figures today um, and it's it's come in fairly hot, 7.5% year on year, uh, which means that it, effectively speaking, um, the basket of goods that they have decided to, to measure inflation against, um, which can be changed at any point, by the way, um, but the, the basket of goods they've put together uh, to decide how much more expensive everyday goods have got in the last year has increased by 7.5%. Okay. So if you held a hundred dollars, uh, this time last year and, uh, you're holding it now is going to buy 92 and a half dollars worth of goods. Okay. Uh, it's the, the same all over. Um, so for us uh, in the UK, it was 5.4% in December. Uh, the figures for, for us are coming out in the next few days. Uh, I would suspect it will go up as well. Um, but inflation figures are a backward-looking uh, kind of measure. So it looks back and says, uh, effectively, how much money has each citizen lost? Now, your personal inflation rate will differ depending on your uh, behavior, the, the um, amount of money that you spend, where you spend it, etc. Um, but those are the figures that they, they would admit to. Hmm. Um, Bitcoin is also inflationary. When we uh, talk about inflation, what we're saying is how many more uh, tokens are going to be added to the system? Um, the issue is that Bitcoin's inflation rate is knowable. So you know exactly how many are being added to the supply at any point in time and at any point in the future. So um, the way it works is with Bitcoin, uh, there are 21 million coins that are ever going to exist, um, that will ever come into the Bitcoin economy. Um, and the way they come in is through uh, something called proof of work. Uh, so it's not coming out of thin air. It's not coming out by decree. Uh, they're not produced uh, with no reference to any underlying value or work done. Uh, it comes out when uh, computers use electricity to uh, solve complex mathematical problems 
and prove that they have reached um, something called a, a hash. Um, I'll try and keep it simple. Uh, it's essentially a long string of letters and numbers that you need to do calculations for to arrive at. Uh, when that has come through and it's matched up with uh, the hash uh, that is to be reached, uh, that's then broadcast to all of the other computers in the network. We call them nodes. Uh, and anyone can run one. Uh, anyone in the whole world can uh, set up uh, a little Raspberry Pi, put it on their bedside cabinet, uh, and have that uh, decide whether or not that hash has been reached. Okay. Uh, now, it's a distributed system, which means that... Um, there are lots and lots and lots of nodes all around the world. And so if one goes down, all of the rest will still have a copy of that record. Uh, and then when you get it back up and running, it can just download the history of what's happened uh, and just keep going. Uh, so it's very, very resilient uh, and it's decentralized, which means uh, that there's no one single point of failure. So again, uh, even if you took out half the nodes on the network, uh, and to do that, you're talking, you know, ridiculous things like an electromagnetic pulse or, you know, nuclear winter. China um, banning Bitcoin. Yeah, you know, even if a even if one very large country decided to to ban this network, they couldn't do it because the the nodes are worldwide, uh, and so even if you had one node. Um, even if you have one node running, you could reset the whole network. You could restart it. Um, so there's a little bit like the Book of Eli. Uh, do you remember that scene at the very end where... Is, is it Denzel, Denzel Washington, isn't it? It is Denzel, Denzel yeah. 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 yeah, You know, he rocks the uh, place and then he starts reciting the Bible. So, you know, that's that's effectively like the last node on the network. Um, <laughs> it, starts, it starts again. Yeah, it starts again. <clears throat> so... I think that's really, really helpful. So you're talking about nodes. We're talking about um, basically a big mesh of computers all spread out, all Absolutely. basically verifying the same system, making sure that all the transactions are accurate. And the is it, is it checking the same sort of um, software and monetary policy? All that is it within the code? Is that yep. what the nodes all, do as well? All, all checking that um, everything's legit. So back in the day, if I wanted to go to market and um, you know, swap some value for something. You know, I, I've driven my pigs to market. I've sold them. I go to the man in the, the booth who's got a ledger and say, I've got a thousand gold pieces worth of value. Uh, I want to buy an amphora of wine. Then he would strike out 10 gold pieces and put it next to the, the guy who owns the wine stalls record, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, just a way of, you know, doing transactions without having to pass coins between each other. Yeah. Um, the issue is, what if he's not honest? What if he wants to skim off a bit for himself, or he's mates with the winekeeper and he actually transfers a hundred of my gold pieces to him instead of ten? Or what if there's simply a mistake? You know. Yeah. Um, the issue of having a distributed ledger is that everyone can check everyone else's work, uh, and everyone knows exactly where everything is, not necessarily to whom it belongs, um, but they know a record of all the transactions that have ever happened. And so it means that if there was a bad actor who wanted to do some fraud, as we know that human beings are, you know, seems to likely to, um, 
it, it prevents people from doing that because the the network will reject it <clears throat> right so it's not the it, it's not a, a select few going okay we need to print another run of money there's it's all no. programmed in how yes. much is coming out each year or each four years isn't it because it halves every four years how much is being minted mm -hmm. and then you've got all these verifications across the world yeah. that are making sure that no and that would be why it's not being hacked and not being um tricked or yes. and, and, and knocked out yeah just to add um this is why uh, i am uh, exclusively bitcoin uh, not crypto okay. um, because uh, and this is really important so bitcoin is the first one uh, it comes out uh, is then uh, copied or um kind of other projects uh, might be leveraged bets, if you like, on whether Bitcoin succeeds or fails. Um, but all of the others have a centralized point of failure or they have people involved in the decisions uh, hmm. as to supply uh, or they have something called a pre-mine, uh, which is a, a bit of trickery where, uh, for example, you reserve 70% of the, all the tokens available you float the remaining 30% and um, then you can sell one for a pound. And if you've got a billion of them, uh, you can then claim your market cap, the market capitalization. So that it is essentially um, a calculation where you say total number of tokens multiplied by the last price that one of them was sold at gives you the ostensible value of that currency okay right so if you kept 70 percent of them sold one of those 30 percent at a pound then you can effectively claim that you own 700 million pounds worth of crypto okay that's where that's um, where people like claim it's a ponzi scheme and they get rich yeah, quick. That's, a real, that's a real con that is a yeah. real con um but bitcoin has no uh pre-mine uh, everything is fair um you know, people could have, if they'd known about it and were so inclined, uh, mined dozens and dozens of Bitcoin in 2009, 2010 on uh, effectively a laptop yeah. at that time with, with the processing power it had. Um, the, in fact, one of the uh, machines that they use to mine Bitcoin now um, represents the, the total power that the entire network had in 2013. So th this thing is growing exponentially. Uh, yeah, it's more pretty huge. For it. how, how easy is it to um, to mine Bitcoin? I mean, say like, I've, I've got my laptop here. Mm -hmm. um, what uh, would it cost me more in 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 electricity than it would to uh, than I'd actually benefit from? So in this country, it would um, because our energy price is very high. Um, you, you wouldn't be able to do it with a, a probably a, a kind of domestic hardware anymore. Um, mining is tending now towards uh, an industrial um, kind of bent. You can solo mine. Um, th there are instances of people, you know, um, uh, striking a block, uh, which essentially is uh, winning that hash race that we've talked about which gives them the right to add the next um, set of transactions to the, 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 the record of the history. Um, 
and for that work the work that they do in the real world with the real energy that's why they get rewarded uh, with the the block reward which uh, i think as phil has said uh, kind of uh, halves over time so every time half of the total supply is mined the reward halves so it actually becomes exponentially more difficult to produce over time rather than um perfectly easy to create more at the press of a button so what's the incentive then for people to to keep mining it um, if, it, if, it if it's if it's so it's potentially so costly as energy yeah. um and, yeah. and, and, and just to be honest energy costs are likely to increase for the foreseeable mm -hmm. um so where where's the incentive yeah um a couple of things really so number one is the block reward um and you can see if you look back through the history the block reward has increased over time in terms of value even as the number of bitcoin has dropped okay um because the exchange rate has increased over time in in whatever currency you want to denominate it um yeah. so people will still do it because the block reward is a financial incentive for doing so um secondly uh, there is also uh, transaction fees that users of Bitcoin pay uh, to have their transactions included in those blocks. Uh, and again, they are uh, a financial incentive, um, but it's also an incentive to secure the network. Because, because this thing um, is permissionless, you don't have to ask anyone's permission to move your value um, like you do with a bank. Uh, or PayPal, or Cash App, or, or whatever means you use to move your money now, um, because it's permissionless, and because it's borderless, and because uh, it's uncensorable. Um, those are all reasons why uh, people who, who use it um, believe it to be worth mining for, or, or worth expending that energy on. Um, I suppose the other thing as well is think about fiat currency now. Uh, think about the uh, value that your pound has uh, as as much as it decreases every day. How is that value actually safeguarded? Um, well, it's safeguarded firstly by the trust that uh, the government has uh, or enjoys from its citizens and from the international community. Um, but the, the proof of work that is done to maintain that trust uh, tends to be uh, a violent proof of work. So uh, at its bottom, uh, war is an expression of human sin. Uh, it's, it's as old as Cain and Abel. Um, but war is also a tool that is used to determine the chain of custody for value in the world, hmm. or certainly has been in the past. Okay, so, um, you know, that's why people uh, plunder when they've beaten an enemy in battle, because that gold, those sheep, um, that man's wife, they're not his anymore because you've bested him in battle. Uh, and so what Bitcoin does um, is it 
is it safeguards the value of everyone's money through the expenditure of electricity rather than the blood of the nation's sons and so in my mind it's worth every what so just a few a few a few questions you've been going i'll just fire fire a few that i've been thinking about so when when we when we, we talk about inflation you gave the example of the us mm-hmm. um seven uh seven percent um how how is that you know prima facie or uh, worse than say when bitcoin you know drops 50 percent um at, at, at some mm. point so say you've got all your you know your money Bitcoin, you suddenly lost 50%. That is a fantastic question. I'm really glad you asked that, actually. Um, fiat currency is, uh, as you say, prima facie stable in the short term, and it's profoundly unstable to the downside long term. Okay. So you can see that in you know anything you care to put a value on. House prices. I was talking to somebody yesterday who said that their dad um bought a house for 800 pounds <laughs> you know that for for less than a lot of people's mortgage like monthly mortgage month, payment yeah. bought it yeah. house. okay um that does not by necessity mean that house prices have risen um what you can look at it the other way is that the value of the currency has fallen by that much so over time um even though your uh, you know, five pound in your pocket might be enough to get you a few Mars bars, a few Freddos, uh, and you can be fairly confident that that being the case year on year, uh, decade on decade, that five pound is is going to become even more worthless than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Bitcoin is the other way around, so uh, it's it's extremely volatile in the short term, um, but over the long term, and and yes, we've you know only been running twelve years now, uh, it appreciates. Uh, uh, multiples upon multiples and uh, the, the the real interesting thing is that like any technology that's ever been adopted um, there is an s-shaped adoption curve um, now that is uh, essentially because with every new technology there will always be um, those who are you know very very close to the inventor or um, early adopters who can see the value in it and um, adopt early. There's the large majority, um, you know, your middle 50% who pile in all at once. And then there's your laggards who, who come in afterwards. Uh, you see that in every technological adoption ever. Uh, the, the horse and cart, the steam train, the car, um, the radio, television, telegraph, um, everything, the internet, Facebook, Google, um, and Bitcoin is is simply technology, and so it will follow an S-shaped adoption curve. Um, we're twelve years in to what effectively will be a fifty, sixty-year process, and so as more demand comes in, um, and bear in mind the supply is completely fixed. So you can never mine any more than 21 million and you'll never mine it even faster um, than, than than you can. The box. Um, then what happens when you have a f- completely fixed supply uh, and never increasing demand? The, price the, goes the up. Price goes up.
Hi there, this is Phil Duncalf. Thank you so much for listening to the Critical Witness podcast. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe, share the episode and write a review. It will help others find us. And if you really like what you hear and want us to grow, please do consider supporting us through patreon.com forward slash critical witness. Enjoy the rest of the show. Price goes up. Price goes up. So what? What? Um, in, you mentioned something else about fraud, about how um, you're obviously being decentralised. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, the the opportunity for for, uh, for for fraud to to take place from that uh, from a centralised uh, place is is kind of removed. But I mean. Isn't fraud still a big issue uh, with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Except it might not be at that initial point, but on the exchanges themselves. I mean, um, it's in the yeah. press all the time. Look at billions, billions of dollars of Bitcoin. I think it was recently uh, as a thing with the was it the this terrible rapper or something? It was like yeah. something like three point four billion. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, 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 Bitcoin. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, and there, there are other issues as well about you know if I've got. Well, that, that's one issue is that, yeah, so yeah, Mike, you're right that, that fraud can't happen at that point. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it is rife at other points. It's just moves yeah. to the exchanges or another level. Um, and, and, and other things as well. I mean, there's it's risky as well. I mean, there are other risks as well that aren't present with and that's not necessarily to, you know, um, a downside you know to you know, trying to be more more careful but if i've mm-hmm. got my if i've got my money in my bank or money in my wallet it's very difficult for me to make unless i sort of leave my wallet on the bus to lose all my money but if i'm on an exchange and you know i've read horror stories of people you know trying mm-hmm. to move over you know five hundred thousand pounds or you know or, or a million mm-hmm. or whatever and suddenly they send it to the wrong place or they don't mm-hmm. they they make some you know uh, you know error there they lose all their money Yep. Um, so there, there are risks with with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies that aren't present with fiat currency that um, that I don't think can be easily sort of skirted over would be mine. I, I definitely take your point. Um, I, I absolutely do. Um, yes, uh, it is true that, um, for example, in your bank account, uh, your government currently guarantees um up to eighty five thousand pounds uh, if your bank went under or you know somebody uh, i don't know took just got access to your account and, and stole money out of it um the interesting thing is that they uh ensure the nominal value but they don't ensure the purchasing power so you know you you'll have eighty five thousand pounds back but that eighty five thousand pound won't buy you what it used to five years ago um the 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 thing with um guarantees like that is uh, where do you think the money comes from to cover the loss that's been made um they'll probably just print it i don't i mean just to say that just 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 to respond to the point there i mean i'm not sure about the five years ago i mean when you lose the money you're only expecting the value that it had at that point you know if i lose this week's wages i'm not worried about what it was worth five years ago i'm worried about what it's worth now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, uh, i'll take that 
but they do they they, they do print more they, they print it out in there um and so what it does is it socializes the losses um everyone suffers um due, due to um uh, you know bad actors or or people's own um you know fault um it disincentivizes uh, prudence in financial matters so part of the reason that the um global financial crash happened is that banks were playing fast and loose with uh, customers deposits but customers weren't doing their due diligence on where they put their money because they preferred for um that responsibility to just um sit with somebody else sit with a third party uh and, and they didn't have that within their own sphere of uh, kind of influence so this is what happened really when uh when we as a society went from uh, for example keeping your money at home um you know jesus tells the, the parable of the widow who loses one of her coins and, and goes searching for it so evidently you know people kept coin at home um and that was their their primary place that they saw value um bitcoin kind of allows you to get back a little bit towards that so there's a, a saying you know be your own bank um sounds a bit grand but effectively what it what it means is uh, that you uh, take the private keys uh, which are the uh, essential means of accessing and, and moving bitcoin uh, you take those private keys to yourself um that has the effect of you know, moving the, the custody of the Bitcoin from an exchange, which again is a, a centralized entity, um, to you as an individual. And then, yes, it does um, increase your potential for risk. Um, but at the same time, if it is lost, um, it's my own fault. If I um, gave my private key to somebody, or if I lost my private key, I would have given it away. I would have lost it. And and it would be because I didn't do what I needed to do to secure that value. Right. Well, so I get I, I so I get in that case in terms of sort of your yeah, you're right. It's your responsibility to look after, you know, to to, to take yeah. care in those things, especially with with larger sums of money, especially. But how what about the fraud issue still? Because it still seems I'm not sure you might have been going on to that. That still seems like a like a big issue. I mean, if you're like you said, if I if I lose my money in the bank, all right, uh -huh. it might be being printed, but I'm gonna get a substantial portion of it back or all of it back. But if uh -huh. I lose my Bitcoin, what happens? I, I don't I don't get that back. So is it yeah. fraud, you know, um in a sense in which it is it's it's risk riskier um, do you mean fraud is in the sense of like the sort of spam like if you give it someone next so say someone someone hacks my account on an exchange and i lose all my bitcoin okay so oh, okay. in in that instance if you've been keeping bitcoin on an exchange um technically you don't own it what you've got is an iou um to those private keys okay so when I talk of owning Bitcoin, what I mean is controlling private keys. Um, because if, if you've outsourced that to an exchange, it effectively it's no different to having your money in a bank. 
Okay, apart from the fact that you know they they're not covered by FCA guarantees or, or anything like that. Um, so yes, uh, you are actually exposing yourself to more risk if you leave it on an exchange, because there, there's a there's a wider attack surface. You know, hackers are going to be far more interested in going after an exchange because they can get um, not only the the the, um, the Bitcoin itself, but they can get customers' information. Which of course is very valuable for you know identity theft mm -hmm. or identity fraud, um, uh, and they can go after you know uh, uh, other people then um, if they know, for example, who's transacted with who, and and they can you know go after it that way. Um, so I would say actually there's more risk of keeping it on exchange than there is of taking it off. Um, I think when we talk of risk, um, there is there is an element of personal responsibility that we've been unaccustomed to um which i i think is a good thing to reclaim um when we talk about you know storing your own value um because that kind of flutters out into other areas of life uh, at least i've seen in, in my kind of personal experience so for example um i am uh, now much more interested in uh, getting out and going for a walk in the evening because because I hold my um, value myself somehow psychologically uh, I now take more personal responsibility for my health and fitness um, I, I'm reading through 50 books this year I've read through more books so far this year than I have done in the three years prior to that um, because, because my time preference <laughs> is extended so I'm, I'm thinking more about the future and in fact more about after i die and what this value is going to do in generations to come um and so i'm less concerned now about uh sitting and watching netflix each evening and more about um what kind of man am i going to be in five years time uh, what kind of son am i uh growing and developing what kind of a husband am I being to my wife? You know, we've just passed five years anniversary. What's it going to be like at 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, 50 years even? Um, and it's not to say that I'm, you know, exclusively living in the future. Hmm. My mind is now on things that, um, that I wouldn't have been able to think about had my money been depreciating all the time, right? Because if I'm concerned about oh my goodness um when's my next pay rise coming uh how many years am i going to have to work before i retire um uh, you know uh, how am i going to afford the, the monthly shop because my money's getting less and less valuable over time uh, that pushes me into a survival instinct pushes me into a very short time preference and you see that in in weimar germany um as their currency depreciated, people were running out um, the hour they got paid in cash to go and spend it because they needed to. But that takes out all um, ability to, to think about plan for the future, um, which Bitcoin seems to restore. So the really interesting thing is that there's a lot of people on, um, on Twitter, you know, it's a... a, a uh, place where people tend to gather and, and share thoughts and have community. Um, but a lot of people who are um, in Bitcoin on Twitter, 
are, are saying that they uh, are actually coming to understand that there is more to life than what is immediately before them. Uh, there's, there's been a couple of relatively high-profile people, you know, well thought of, few few thousand followers, um, who have said, actually, you know, I, I, I'm, I used to be an atheist, and this thing got me thinking about um, when I die. You know, my, my time horizon has been expanded uh, to the end of my life, and I'm thinking about, you know, is there an eternity? Hmm. Your time preference gets pushed out, and uh, people seem to be starting to, to actually think about, you know, eternal matters. Um, there's a couple of guys who I think follow me, actually, uh, who have become Christians uh, because they've, you know, the, the Lord in his grace has used this to, to push them out of themselves, out of their immediate concerns, um, uh, and look at the, the, the things that really, really do matter. I think that's really, really interesting. And I, I don't want to get, get to that in a, in a moment just to talk about how how that might work and how we might utilize that because I think before we came on we we're talking very briefly that there's so much to learn when thinking about Bitcoin that mm. I imagine that people have been listening to the last 50 minutes have been going oh my goodness <laughs> like I've I've not thought about money as much um, ever I've not talked about it this much ever and I, so i started getting into crypto almost by accident someone recommended me the uh the brave browser which <laughs> is fairly secure and and it pays you a little bit in its cryptocurrency uh bat every month and you get a little bit and and i used it for a few months and i had enough to then put into an exchange and i was playing around with the different cryptocurrencies uh -huh. you you've been talking about um bitcoin exclusively to, to an extent and and I, I realize now what that was but basically what i'm highlighting at that point is that cryptocurrency is huge in terms yeah. of like learning in terms of recognizing that you see this this line goes up oh i want to get into that this line goes up i want to get into that where, where do i put my money yeah. um and and in many ways a lot of the cryptocurrencies that aren't bitcoin you are on a low time preference. Yes, it encourages you to sit at your computer screen and, and watch the lines going up and down and uh, be very, very concerned about how you can uh, maximize your return or, you know, get into something at the right time, get out of it at the right time, and you're trading it constantly. You know, the volatility is there. Um, yeah. I, I would argue that that's not a good use of your time or your value. Yeah. Um, but put, putting it in something that you... Uh, no will appreciate um and you can just leave it and you know if you secure it yourself uh it can't get hacked uh, the the only way that it would get lost is is through your own fault um and yes you have to reconcile yourself to that fact mm. um but it means that you can just say look you know i'm uh, gonna be a husband and father and i'm gonna do what I need to do to serve the Lord well. So that's that's that is an interesting way to to think of of money. So in terms of um, 
I guess. Could I? Yeah, could I, go on, Dan. Just let me just interject quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, just, so the one thing that's interesting about, you know, it just got me thinking now about, uh, saying about how it makes you think about future and, and, and the present in, in, a, in a different way and how things mm-hmm. secure. I'm not saying if, if someone's got a lot of Bitcoin, uh, they've been saving it their whole life, and then they die and no one knows how to access that, what benefit is that to anyone? Yeah, again, um, that's that's something that um, uh, is yeah definitely best thought of before the moment comes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, as you said in the note, you know, um, there the, there are ways and means of passing it on. Um, uh, effectively, this is something that we've never had in the history of the world before, which is that to know certain information is to own something. So hmm. if you know. Uh, your private key, which is again just a string of numbers and letters, mm-hmm. um, for convenience's sake, converts down to to a list of twelve or twenty-four words that you can memorize, um, or you know store in a, a secure way. If you know those words, um, that is your claim to that segment of the pie on the total Bitcoin network, which everyone else recognizes that you own. Um, and so effectively passing it on could be as easy as, as giving 12 or 24 words to the personal people that you want to, to pass it on to. Um, Rather than gold doubloons or, or yeah, whatever, yeah. which would be very heavy. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's something that's um, not, not a physical asset, which I think can be a bit confusing, um, but it is tied to the real world value that it takes to produce it because of its energy usage in creation okay um so it's it's superior to uh fiat money in that sense because it has a real value because it cost value to make it um but it's superior to uh, for example gold because you can take it anywhere um there's no cost to holding it you don't need to pay to secure it uh, it's unconfiscatable, so nobody can take it off you by force. Um, and it's really good, for example, in uh, nations where somebody needs to leave the country in a hurry um, and they're afraid of uh, having their life savings taken off them by a border guard mm-hmm. or, um, you know, someone whose house could be looted uh, at, at any moment. You know, mm. so th- there are real practical, like live world applications for this. Um, so, you mentioned, Phil, actually, you've got a friend going out to Lebanon, possibly. Mm, mm. That's a country that's currently undergoing hyperinflation. And that there are easily over a billion people in the world who live in those circumstances. And then there's a further two or three billion who live under authoritarian governments um, who would really, really value uh, having a, a currency like this where they can not be robbed blind. And so by holding um, my value in this network, what it's also doing is securing the value of everyone else who's in the network. So in fact, it is a humanitarian effort to make sure that the widow in El Salvador, who has remittances paid to her by her son, in America, in Bitcoin, has the value of her money 
kept. Is is that realistic? Because it makes me it makes me think. Because I, I I I get what you're saying, and I've 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 kind of thought through this before. But is there a sense in which at least Bitcoin, as it has been up to this point, and mm -hmm. probably still is presently, is arguably you could argue that it is. Don't make a classes elitist in a sense because only and I mean that in the sense that it requires mm. a level of digital li literacy that probably people from a you know I, I say it's making a generalization yeah. um, I think rooted in some evidence is that people you know in lower social economic settings are going to be far less digitally literate uh, than than perhaps um, you know some, some, someone here yeah. in the UK and and it it feels uh -huh. like the people benefit from it uh, yeah. and have predominantly benefited benefited from so far are, are, are arguably you know they've benefited from their dead, from from that um yeah. you know from, from yeah. that dig digital literacy and other privileges and things that they've you know, really, they've, really they've benefited from yeah i think that's really in, insightful actually so you know i suppose your question is um does bitcoin benefit white middle class oxford educated people who you know happen to know a bit about computers um i think those are the stories that you will have probably been exposed to um but if i were to say that uh, vietnam nigeria iran um el salvador uh, are all some of the the highest users of bitcoin um that that might be surprising i don't know um but also we've been talking predominantly about the um the kind of base layer uh, of of bitcoin and obviously you know trying to take as simple a view on it as possible because it is it, it's technology that um most people will never touch okay uh, it's like the internet you know we're, we're streaming live to youtube from a third party provider um but i'm coming in on a particular browser you know, it's all using HTTP. Um, we're going through domain names. There's layers below that. And, you know, right at the bottom is um, TTPS kind of stuff that, that even people who have worked their entire lives as IT bods don't touch, right? So yeah. everything scales in layers, you know, technologically speaking, biologically speaking. You know, your heart pumps blood to veins and, and then capillaries. Um, so everything goes in layers. Um, and what we're getting now is, you know, layers being built on top of the the, the kind of uh, core Bitcoin network. So uh, Phil will will know of this. Um, if you've got a mobile phone, which about five billion people in the world do, uh, including most in you know economically developing countries, uh, you can download an app onto your phone, which again most people who own a smartphone can do, uh, and you can use Bitcoin. Uh, so there's a, a family out in uh, Rotterdam at the moment who uh, have received Bitcoin uh, from uh, me. Uh, I've never met them in person. Uh, I've spoken to him once over Zoom. Uh, they've received Bitcoin from Phil, and they've never met in person, and I don't think they've ever spoken over Zoom. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd send them some. A few sets. Received, you know, really generous gifts from people uh, literally the other side of the world who I've never met in person um, or even spoken to, you know, over Zoom. So um, I, I suppose we, we might actually try and do a, um, a demonstration of this, actually. 
Phil, have you got a, a lightning wallet on your phone? Yeah. This may or may not work, depending on whether I can scan through the... um <clears throat> Through the screen. Through the screen. <laughs> but Phil, do you, um, you want to just bring up a QR code for like a thousand sats or something? Let's see if I can do this. Uh, it's been a while. Right. Save. Lightning. Invoice settings. Add. Hold on. Uh, oh, hold on. Just got to set it to. Um, how many is a thousand sats? This is the thing that actually took me a little while to figure out that Bitcoin is divisible by. It's a hundred million, isn't it? So a thousand yeah, sats is. Uh, after. So it's that's four decimal places of of eight. Yeah. One, two, three. One, two, three. No, that's a hundred sats. There we go. One thousand. Okay. So if I do that and go. So if you hold that up to your screen. So uh, I've now got a QR code. Does that work? I'm going to try and scan this. Okay. It may or may not work. Um, I hope it does because it should demonstrate the point fairly well. Yeah. Does that work? Is that in focus? Hold a steady. Otherwise, I can copy it over to. Um... Oh, actually, oh, there we go. That, stick that's... it in the private, can you? Oh, yeah, there you go. Scanned. Right, I'm going to pay. Yeah. I've paid. And uh, it should come through to you in approximately five seconds. And that's yeah. right. Payment sent. Got it. Got it. There we go. Uh, one BTC. There we go. Four. 32p. 32p. Um, now that, um, the the thing about that, what we've just done, is that if I was to send that to Phil on PayPal, um, 32p is firstly a, a ridiculous amount to send over PayPal because the, hmm. the fees get you. Um, but secondly, uh, I'd have to ask permission from PayPal to do it and it wouldn't actually fully settle and you know be able to go into Phil's account and him, him to know that he'd got that value um, for several days afterwards. Okay, uh, with this, that's settled now, and so that thirty-two p is fills forever unless he decides to spend it or um, pass it on in, in the next demo. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the that's the real um, killer use case of it. I think hmm. it means that um, somebody doesn't have to travel to their local Western Union office three hours away risk getting mugged on the way or in fact coming out of the office which is the most dangerous thing to do um but they can send a qr code or a string of letters and numbers over the internet and get it paid instantly mm. it, it, yeah. it, it is technology that will change the world it's going to do to value what the internet did to information yeah no i think i think it's a, it's a really good example i think i don't my issue is not with the technology in principle uh -huh. it's just that um well two things i mean one at the moment as i said there's still this there's still this digital literacy gap and i and, and i agree i know in india uh you know bitcoin is 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 is, is used the time there yeah. and, and all over the world as well however it would be interesting to i think when you look at the the demographics of those individuals you know you, you can talk about india but india's got you know um you know it's a place of extremes yeah um, yeah oh, as as, hmm. as well and and so 
you know as much as i'd like to imagine you know the you know the the poor um you know single mom in el salvador receiving bitcoin from her son in the us uh-huh. i can't help but think that that's uh, idealistic yeah i mean and, i think, and, and I, I, think I, I, that's shifting, now, I don't know what i mean yeah my, it's education isn't it? i mean is this something yeah. that needs to be taught i mean but i can see why there's incentives from governments and things not to do that so it belies you know sure. who does that fall on Unless yeah. you're El Salvador, where your yeah. your president is buying up Bitcoin like no one else, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good business recently, didn't he? He's done well. Yeah, for sure. So I, I suppose to eat three quick points. To that um, you have to take your point about India being a, a country of extremes. In fact, the guy who first told me about um, Bitcoin was from India. Um, number two, um, the interesting thing about uh, El Salvador is that this is a president who. Uh, you know, without getting too political, it probably isn't the greatest friend of, you know, liberal democracy. Um, but the ironic thing is that he's now bringing his country onto a standard, a monetary standard, which ultimately will put him out of a job. Um, because it's something that, that can't be, you know, I- influenced by central bodies. Um, and then thirdly, uh, you well, mentioned I mean he's less busy. He might, he might still have things well, to yeah. do. But... <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Or, or he can um, be concerned uh, less about, uh, for example, making sure that um, you know money's going to the right place because it, it's a ledger where you know we can uh, ha- have that kind of assurance that it's in the right place. Um, mm. But then you mentioned education, Dan, as well. Um, I can imagine a similar kind of question being asked of Johannes Gutenberg um, when he developed the printer press. Uh, what's the need for it? Or, um, you know, take out the word financial, but there's a there's just pure and simple a literacy gap. You know, are people going to have the need for these? What 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 are you producing? Books. You mean to say that everyone's going to have books in their home and they're going to be able to read? Um, and so I think it's it's not a million miles away. You know, it's, it's a technology which disrupts the current status quo. Um, arguably, I would say for the better. Um, and can be leveraged for the gospel. So... You know, the Gutenberg Press, first thing that rolls off it is the Bible. Um, and that's a very self-conscious thing. Um, they set out to do it like that. Uh, and then obviously we get the, the the flow of information from that. You know, the book uh, becomes the books. Um, so I would say, you know, it, it seems that uh, the gospel is advanced uh, in God's plan through certain technological revolutions of whichever day it happens to be in uh, i don't think it's a mistake that um christ came when he did when the roman empire was the network it was with the roads it had uh, i don't think that the reformation happened at the time that it did uh, when the printing press began i don't think the internet has come about when it has uh, for accidental purposes um and I think that there are real practical applications for uh, people in the mission field, for example, uh, with Bitcoin or uh, churches needing 
uh, uncensorable transactions in certain places of the world mm. or um, unconfiscatable value um, in other places where there might be difficulties uh, uh, abroad. Well, what, again, I'm, uh, I'm going to be pernickety here, but this, I can just think of a scenario. So it's interesting you said about the sort of missionaries and things like that. And, <laughs> and it seems that your, your argument has been that, that we're not thinking short term, we're thinking long term. Yeah. But obviously the thing with money is that, you know, we use fiat, you know, um, currency uh -huh. is, is it's, it's viable for both. You can use it, you know, if you've got cash in the hand, you can, uh -huh. you can use it immediately. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's worth what it is as you receive it mm -hmm. or, or close to it. Uh, or you can save it for the future. But let's say, you know, you send a, you know, a church in the Philippines, you know, 500 quid. And then suddenly, you know, the next day, Bitcoin drops 15%. Then yes. they've now got less than what they yeah, had. Yeah. So For it's sure. hard to, so it, it's not like, I I, I, I I get what you're saying. I just, it, it's hard to see how a system in which still allows such fluctuations, <laughs> you know, and, and I think the beginning of 2022 is, is a good example of that. Yeah, For sure. And it's a tough sell to say how that's better than cash in cash in hand or or, or, yes. or, or standard currency i agree um i do agree so uh, the issue is that if you are um trading in and out of it um in in the idea that you're going to um you know make or, or even kind of um maintain the uh value that it has at the time that you receive it or a day later um yes there will be fluctuations in in the exchange rate uh, and i say exchange rate on, on purpose I don't, I don't mean price i mean the exchange rate um so yes that that can be an issue um i think the thing with the the lightning network as um Fred and i demonstrated uh, is that the monetary velocity so that is the speed at which the money can move in the system is so high um, that you can effectively um, go in and out of fear and Bitcoin at the moment, um, pretty much instantaneously. So uh, I think that's what we've we've done with this uh, family in, in Rotterdam. I've said to them, look, uh, you don't want to be trading it day to day. Um, it, it's just a fruitless thing for you to do at the moment. Um, but you can receive this uh, and you can just get it instantly. You can exchange it for euros and then buy what you need um, pretty much instantly. Okay, so at that point, yes, you're actually using it um, in uh, the, the situation you're in uh, and it has the value that you get sent or, or near enough to, you know, you, you're not going to, experience you know a 50 percent swing in three seconds when you when you convert it to your local currency um now i suppose the question would be why is it so volatile why does it have such um massive swings and i think there's a possibly twofold answer for that um number one this is um, an asset that has a very, very limited supply available. Okay. When you break it down, um, let's just assume that 5 billion people were to adopt it. 
okay um that would mean that there is approximately 230,000 sats available for every man woman child who who adopted it um of you know 21 million whole bitcoins um that currently goes for i don't know about 100 quid maybe um not really looked recently um so the the limited supply means that big movements in price can happen if it is uh being bought and sold in large volume currently which it is on exchanges that's another reason to self-custody bitcoin because a bitcoin that is not on an exchange is a bitcoin that can't be bought and sold by people who might want to manipulate its um exchange hmm. okay um the other thing is uh that this isn't money that has properties of durability fungibility transferability that are better than any money that we've had before and so the hardest money i.e the money that has the best properties always wins out in history so there's a reason that we go from barter to coinage it's because the coinage has better monetary properties than the barter uh, and there's a reason that we go from for example silver to gold because arguably gold has better monetary properties than silver it all depends on you know the time in history the place you're at the relative scarcities etc um but the harder money always wins out now my argument is that given that Bitcoin has better monetary properties and is harder, and given it's now leveraging the internet as the network to get that information out, um, the more people understand it, the more that they will begin to use it. And so over time, uh, the harder money becomes the money that everyone uses. And then they look back and say, why did we ever do that i can look back you know i've i've i don't think i've ever bartered anything in my life because it's just much more convenient for me to you know receive cash from my employer and and then spend it um and you can look back and say well why did people ever barter uh, i think there may be a, a time coming could be within my lifetime where we look back and say why did we ever use fiat money because the harder money wins out but in the course of that happening of course there will be fluctuations because um people value it differently it, it is in fact the only free market that we've got the only truly free market where um there aren't you know stops on trading so if your stock market drops um you know six seven percent intraday uh, there are there are artificial stops on trading to prevent those fluctuations from taking their full extent. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. Just, just one thing. I mean, um, it just got me thinking. I, I'm sure I, I read um, something earlier that said, well, let me put it in context. So what what's to stop someone like wealthy individuals just hoarding Bitcoin? So I know that we, we you know, I could just go on, I can buy some Bitcoin now. 
Mm-hmm. I, I read somewhere that there, there was a, a study uh, done in the US last year that basically said that the top 10,000 owners of Bitcoin own one third of all Bitcoin. So, which kind of seems like, um, you know, yeah, monopolization of, 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 of Bitcoin in the same way. Yeah. Um, I, is I that a problem? Is that a problem? Uh, I don't think it is. Um, I, I think I have read the same study. I've got a, a slight difficulty with their methodology um, because um, what they've failed to take into account is that uh, some of those addresses are exchanges. And so uh, they are not technically individual owners. Um, they they will have you know beneficiary owners who they give IOUs to and it'll be a lot of you know different people's value mashed up into one address um again another reason to you know claim claim your own um to make sure it's not given out to to anyone else um i i think the other uh, difficulty is that the heuristics that they use to determine uh whether an address is owned by an, an individual or not um a, a little bit faulty um on the bitcoin network you can have a a relatively good guess based on the distribution and the movement of certain um things whether it's owned by an individual or not but it's it's certainly not um very obvious um so i think they've kind of overblown it a little bit um but the other thing is uh are, are we happy to say that there will be an uneven distribution of these 21 million coins and i think the answer must be yes the answer must be yes um because the point is that we're not um we're not communist as christians we don't um believe that wealth redistribution is is just we, we don't believe that taking from people to give to others is necessarily the just and right thing to do um you know god loves a cheerful giver and so if in his grace he is putting it into people's hearts and minds that what matters is uh, things in the long term and what matters is that i am holding certain value and essentially mutually assuring somebody else's value that then turns my mind to those who have less absolutely does and it turns my mind to what can i do with this um you know in my lifetime in the lifetime of my children um any descendants uh, to redress certain balances that have historically um disadvantaged some uh, disadvantaged many actually uh, and uh, many who have been disadvantaged through fiat money um, because it, it really does you know you look into the entire history I'm not going to go into it too much but um, you know there's a whole history of colonialism which still is effective today so for example the, the French Central Bank uh, forces certain African countries to use uh, to, to place deposits in the French Central Bank. 
right? It's a complete violation of their national sovereignty uh, and it's a complete violation of their people's um, sovereignty and their own value, right? Um, hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's really it's, it. it's bad. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we look at this new system and yes, you know, those who uh, have lots uh, in the current system have a, an opportunity to acquire lots um, of this finite amount um, going forward. But the thing that actually really um, advantages someone is the early mover advantage. So it's not necessarily those who have the most, but it's those who adopt the earliest. So well, how's that? I can still see that's that's, that's still an, an intrinsic sort of unfairness in the sense that you know, so if I look at someone who's incredibly wealthy in the current system, say you're Jeff Bezos, uh -huh. but he's got rich from the current system because he provides a service uh, that, that that people value uh, and continue to value, whereas just through some accident of history that I happened to, you know, a friend told me about Bitcoin in 2009 or 2010, and now I'm a, uh -huh. a, a Bitcoin millionaire. I don't see how that's any. Uh, I don't see how that's an improvement necessarily. Because the 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 point is that um, because there's a finite supply, um, it will reward the patient over the impatient, and it will reward the prudent over the imprudent. So your um, your millionaire teenager who, who got in in 2011 um, may well end up being very prudent with that. And they may well hold it and be patient and have a long time preference. Um, but equally, they may be stupid. <laughs> they may buy a Lambo and crash it and, <laughs> you know, uh, write it off and have to claim insurance. Um, and ultimately in a closed monetary system well there won't be any more um they have to go somewhere uh, and they will end up going to people who uh, will patiently drip their value into it um so yeah it, i mean it's not um it is not completely equal um, but i don't think any human system ever will be mm. um, the thing it is is equitable in that um, if people know about it and they decide to do the work to educate themselves about it and they come to the conclusions um, that the vast majority of people I know have come to about it, having done the work. You know, I, I think there's nobody who's taken 20 hours to understand this who doesn't have a positive view of it. Um, if people do the work, uh, then they are very likely to to begin adopting it. Uh, I, I would be interested in the uh, twenty hours one. Uh, I would. Uh, I'd love to to see if there's any um, stats on that. The um... I might run a, a poll. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many hours? How many hours have you done? See if see you if can get, get um, uh, yeah, the ones that are negative on on Twitter to to interact with it. Yeah, please um, do. Hit me up. I, I think just just in the sort of final moments, because because we are reaching an hour and a half, we, we haven't talked huge. We we sort of brushed on things like the ethics of it and and remittances and how it might help. I think at the moment the volatility is a m 
fairly major impact on um sending to missionaries i think for their mm. uses straight mm. away mm. um but i think it can help build the support base for longer term mission um okay. and if you, if yeah. you, so in terms of trying to work through the, the time preference um but even saying that uh the the people we supported they were able to put it into use pretty quickly yep. um at the value that it, they received it at so it's it, and then if you're in places like El Salvador where it's legal tender, you can it works. Um the the prices I imagine of a cup of coffee aren't fluctuating with the price of Bitcoin. They're just No, there won't, there won't be. There there are a few a few hundred few thousand sats and that's it. That's what it always be. Hmm. Uh well not always necessarily, but like you get you get the idea so i think in terms of its so, so it's ethics in in the sense of its um it's borderless it's uncontrolled by governments china tried to ban it that it's recovered from that ban most of the mining ended up in kazakhstan you can find out about that on mm -hmm. like the bbc website and, th and things like that what we haven't really touched on i guess which may be too big for the few minutes that we have is that the the fact that the energy is increasing and uh, I don't know, do, can you, I've got a couple quick answers regarding environment and, and Bitcoin and mining. Cool. But do you, do you have a quick summary or resource for, because one of the ma major things against Bitcoin that people have, and it seems to be pushed out there quite a lot by yeah, those it opposed to it, yeah. Yeah. is that it's environmentally unfriendly mm -hmm. um, and um, therefore we should go to like proof of stake rather than proof of work or right. yeah, some yeah. other cryptocurrency that's this less um, yeah. energy intensive. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Um, again, I'll break it down uh, fairly quickly. So proof of stake uh, over proof of work uh, essentially uh, rehashes the issues with the current fiat system in, in which a few who have make the rules for those who don't have. Um, and w with all the, issues that, that attend to that um uh, so it's something to do with the staking is so where bitcoin miners the proof of work verifies the transactions and yeah, the monetary it goes back policy. To the point of, you know if if you've reserved the 70 percent pre-mine and then and you're on a proof of stake where you have to have a consensus for changes to the network protocol then nobody who ever owns your token who isn't part of that inner circle will ever get to make a decision that makes any difference Right, so is that that pre mine sets who sets the policy? So, exactly. And those people can. Yeah, so it's like you or your mates can do it, and then everyone else who who just has has pumped your bags can, um, you know, get lost because they they don't have a majority stake. Right. Um, the uh, the issue of environmental impact. Um, I, I think absolutely we need to be stewarding our planet well. Um. You know, it's uh, part of the, the dominion mandate given us by by God in the garden. Um, God is concerned about his creation. Um, I would say look at the, uh, the, look at all of the energy, every part of it that the current system uses um, from G4S men taking coins into banks to uh, running a, you know, a bank branch um you know tens of thousands of them across the world um to the energy that it takes to secure the value of a country uh, in warfare hmm. uh, and then uh, compare that to the 
uh, 0.015% of the world's energy the Bitcoin network uses. Um, and I think you, you can make a comparison between the two. Um, and then a resource if people want to look into this further, um, thismachinegreens.com. This or dis? This, T-H-I-S. Thismachinegreens.com. Machinegreens.com. Oh, put that in the description. Um, so there's a basically a movie about it. And just just on that note, some things that I found really interesting in this is that there's a, there's almost an incentivization, if that's a word. It incentivizes mm -hmm. um, green greener energy in many yeah. ways. So there's there's yeah. several places where uh, I think it was Southern Africa. I might have got that wrong. It might have been South America. Either way, they, they, there's a place where conservation is too expensive to do it well, yeah. but they have um, it's around a fairly significant waterfall where uh -huh. they can um, they can use the, the power of the waterfall to power um, their facilities, but the excess power coming from the waterfall can mine. And when there's too much load on the grid, they turn the mines mm -hmm. off. <laughs> but when there's excess load that powers the yeah. mines and it funds conservation, um, and there's there's other aspects of that with um, uh, I know there's several projects in the states that are doing that absolutely um, yeah and so there's there's this incentive that the excess energy that power stations and mm -hmm. um, places are creating it can fund itself and compensate yeah. for um, the the negative the the wastage of, of oh, energy oh, yeah. yeah so it soaks up wasted energy um, because you can essentially turn any energy source into um, magic internet money uh, <laughs> it's uh it actually yeah it, it disincentivizes waste um but also uh, you can tap stranded energy resources and then make um living somewhere you know for example a remote waterfall um actually economically viable so you know the, the amount of land that we use to live on this planet is is not very much and uh, I think a lot of the people who would say that um, uh, Bitcoin's boiling the oceans, it's destroying the planet, would also say uh, we're, we're overpopulating the planet. There's far too many people. Um, uh, and I think that's nonsense. There's not enough people. Um, the more people there are, the more glorified God is. And uh, we, we do have land uh, and resources for people to live and live well. Um, and those kind of tendrils of civilization... Um, we'll be reaching out to the areas where we've not lived before and creating community there. Um, mm. so I, I would say that... Um, Hopefully doing that well. <laughs> and the future's orange. Mm. <laughs> the future's bright and the future's orange. Uh, I, I like that. Um, cool. Uh, so we, we, we've hit the hour and a half mark and, and it does feel like it's been quite technical. So it almost feels like we need a second chat to, to really discuss how... Um, because you've, you've hinted at it, that there's some aspects of um, Bitcoin in its verification, in its decentralization, um, that echo Christian principles of what sound money might look like, but a bit more than that. And you kind of connected it to the printing press and, and things like that. Oh, yeah. um, and, and almost putting the power back in the hands of the everyday man. And I, I don't know if that, it, like, I'll be interested in discussing, is that, Christian putting the like that that it, decentralized power and and Christianity are quite an interesting conversation and I think Bitcoin does 
Yeah, very, very short thing on that. And I would love another conversation about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, very short comment. I happen to think that the Reformation was a very good thing. Hmm. Uh, and I'll leave it cryptically at that. <laughs> Something about power and taking out of churches, I imagine. Um, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you, Christian. So, Dan, do you have, before we go on to our usual last question of the evening, is there anything that would like wrap things up? That you have to say <laughs> like, help us um no no i, I think I, I think you're right it has been um well first of all i think i should apologize to you phil because before we started i said that i would sit back and not say anything but i've i've, um, I've been, dom- it's fine dom- I've, dominated i didn't, I didn't, awesome, I didn't, I didn't believe you dan <laughs> <laughs> i can't help i, I can't help myself see you silent in this, i can't in this help silence. myself um no i think it has been technical and, and and i think there's but but also very clear and and uh, and persuasive and, and and helpful um but i do think we would benefit because i i really want to get into the nitty-gritty of um christianity and and um and some of the things you mentioned uh you know in history the reformation and genesis and and, and how uh, this all connects to, to Bitcoin and, and perhaps cryptocurrency more, more generally. Um, but but I, I think that would make a really good separate discussion rather than to getting into it now. Uh, yes. I think that, that, that I think for people listening, that would be very helpful as well, because you can kind of listen to this bit, which is more setting the ground. And then uh, another um, chat to really get into just focusing on that aspect. And we can tell people to listen to the first bit. Um, to get, yeah, definitely. To, 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 to get their head around things. I mean, other things, I mean, we usually do ask at the end in terms of sort of um, resources and things. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you've mentioned the, uh, the machine screen. So, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I said I've, I've considered myself a, a novice. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I'd love to, to find out more in terms of resources you have. For, and mm-hmm. is it, also, is there, is there anything sort of any uh, books or, or resources about Christianity and, and Bitcoin would be interesting? Yeah, um, there's there's, uh, there's a fair few out there. So um, I suppose if people are podcast inclined, um, there is a fantastic one called uh, Bitcoin and the Bible podcast. Um, three chaps who um really do a, a deep d- deep dive um and certainly deeper than we we could probably ever go on a, a thing like this um so bitcoin in the bible podcast if you're really really interested in the, the you know intersection of, of bitcoin and christianity um a book if i were to recommend a single one um it's i would say probably not as in-depth on the bible as it could or should be um but as a good kind of introduction uh, is a book called thank god for bitcoin <laughs> is that, who's that by is that uh it's, it's, a, it's a group of uh various authors oh is it, oh, is it? okay it was, a, it was a collaboration project right yeah uh, i think i had that mentioned on an, on another one so i i got one of um i saw people recommending this and i got it for christmas was um, the Bitcoin standard for those on the podcast. And I, as what I've been fascinated in all this, in, in figuring it all out, is A, there's an awful lot to try and figure out and get your head around in terms mm-hmm. of what to avoid and what not to. But I've never 
I've not been in an environment where money is talked about as as much. And I yeah. think one of the concerns Dan raised, which we haven't, and again we should talk about, is the where how it can easily become an obsession. Yes. And it can become a form of idolatry, just like the, when it's all about price action <laughs> and am I making money, it can be very quickly become that. Yes. But this is also about like the impact of, of it on our economy, on our attitude toward debt, our attitude yeah. towards saving, how mm-hmm. saving can actually benefit the community you tend to be yeah. more generous there's there's all sorts of things that what you were hinting at with the, the sort of high time reference yeah, stuff yeah. is 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 just stuff that i've never really processed or yeah. heard processed or like because the, the interesting point that Safedine makes is that um bitcoin is uh, sorry that money uh, is effectively the the base the base technology of how civilization grows uh, yeah, is yeah, how yeah. you know trade is done and it's how uh, ultimately you know trade effectively is the way that we relate to one another in this world yeah um and uh yeah i, I suppose money uh, is a very important thing and jesus christ himself talked about money a lot didn't he mm. Um, right. yeah so much careful, about it. Not, you know where, where you put your trust uh where, where you put your faith um, god has a lot to say about dishonest scales and and how yeah. we oh, um, uh manipulate things i've just been reading micah and that's that's sort of coming into mind and in that if yeah. we have uh people in power who are able to tip the scales in their favor and that that's we we have to figure out a way of navigating that and while yes there might be the one the the X percent that own a majority of Bitcoin, there is something about it that you even put your 10 pounds in that will be worth more in 10 years time than it was when you first put it in. And and that little bit of saving going beyond the now and the here and now is actually really important. I just want to acknowledge one of the comments in the chat from Claire. That's interesting, not not convinced, seems to be that yet again, the poor will still be poor. And I I think there's an element of Jesus in that, that there will always be with us. But I think there's also an element of if we find a money that can't be devalued to continue or make worse the society that the poor find themselves in, Mm -hmm. then perhaps it's something worth investing in, both in terms of our our time and education, but also our, our church value. Uh, and things like that. So I think, Claire, you've hit on something that could be another chat as well. Mm. Well, yeah. I, I, and that's part, part of my concern as well, as I, as I sort of noted a bit earlier about how um, that that's my concern. It's, it, it's, it's obvious to me how, how Bitcoin can benefit me, but less less obvious how it benefits Everyone others. Else. And I think the issue with, with the um, digital literacy is mm. that, again it's 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 those um it's much it's much more less likely that those who would get the most maximum benefit from it are probably the least likely to have access to uh to it um and and that's that's not a um it's not something i i'm i'm totally convinced of yeah not to say that i i I can't be but it's but it's something on sort of a base level sort of skepticism um, yeah i I suppose the, the one thing I would say to that is that those who um, 
have benefited the most from the, the existing system have the least interest in moving away from it. Um, so those uh, to whom the asset prices are inflated by this constant supply of money, yeah, um, you know, will just see this as uh, you know, it's just a weird technology like plaything, or you know, that's for strange people. Um, those who are living hand to mouth um, and realise that they need uh, somewhere to store their value that will grow instead of shrink. Uh, yeah. are absolutely incentivized to look into it early uh, and therefore will reap the benefits no i do agree with that i do i do i do i do agree it's certainly an incentive for for people in the current system to um that's why it's interesting me and phil often talk about the, the press like it's really interesting looking at the the media the, the media's um mm. presentation of bitcoin is is just overtly negative just mm -hmm overtly negative like yes. um and and it is it's absolutely not neutral it's really hard to be educated about bitcoin from mm. from from the from the from the mainstream media you know someone who consumes it but even though you know because i know a little bit about about it i'm able to sort of be a little bit more sort of skeptical about what i'm what i'm what i'm reading mm. but it's 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 so negative um <laughs> and so I, especially I, I, when it's down Especially, Especially when it's when going it's down, down. Yeah, but that's the time to buy it. Yeah. Very quiet, you know. Very quiet this week. But I haven't seen anything really in the Guardian this week yeah. about Bitcoin. And, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's but been, the, the last yeah. month, it's been every day. You know. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And as and as they say, we're starting another conversation already, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's been good it's been it's been really helpful to just get the groundwork and uh christian thank you so much for your time a general and, pleasure uh, we'll, we'll definitely do it again where we can have a bit more of what we're doing now with this bit of right we've figured out the, the technicals let's get into some of, of what it looks like i'll put in the comments and I, i'm sure you'd you'd agree christian that um some of the stuff from from El Salvador has been quite interesting because it seems to have started a little bit from Bitcoin Beach, a use case for Bitcoin setting up yeah. a micro economy. Which started off Bitcoin. Um, so I've put a link into into our, into the chat for that because it's really interesting. Where the, these are people that don't have access to bank accounts, mm -hmm. but they do have access to mobile technology, and yep. and that's quite a lot of the developing world um, where that's the case. So. Mm -hmm. And any sort of final final comments, Christian, before before I close up? Um, hold Bitcoin, but hold Jesus closer. <laughs> Amen. I like I like that. Cool. Um, right. I'll just zoom back into. So there's there's not huge amount planned for the next couple of weeks. Dan and I need to do some work, and uh, we've got potentially Bob of Speakers Corner back helping us with um, a bit around Islam, how to navigate um, interactions with Muslims well, uh, while also being uh, both wise and educated on things like the Trinity and the, the common uh, interactions with Muslims that Christians will face. Aside from that, we've got a long list of people we need to reach out to, um, but we've been a bit on the back foot in terms of business, but we'll, we'll make sure we're back soon. And uh, please do subscribe and um, yeah, let us know what you think. Thanks, Claire, for watching. Thanks uh, for those of you on the podcast, those of you that support us. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, again, once again, thanks, Christian. And we'll, we'll see you see you both soon. Cheers, no man. Cool. Take care. God bless. Are you not entertained?
thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show if you like what you hear please do give us a subscribe on youtube or follow us on any of the social media out there and give us feedback get in touch let us know what you think if you really enjoyed the content and want to support it find us on patreon.com 